United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. We're joined now by the Vice President of the Middle East and North Africa Center at the United States Institute of Peace. Mona Yakubian joins us now. Welcome. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, Laura. Good morning. I'm glad that you're here. Thank you for joining us today. You know, I'm so glad that we're going outside of the country and focusing on the international implications here um, of what's happening in the region over there as well. Can, can you talk to, give, give us a little bit of a step back for a moment, though, because earlier this month, there was something significant happening in terms of um, Syria and Assad's readmission to the Arab League. Tell me about why that was so significant and what happened. Yeah, it's really nothing short, I think, of a sea change that this brutal dictator who has uh, been in conflict with his own people for well more than a decade uh, was, as you noted, readmitted back into the Arab League, Saudi Arabia, uh, normalized ties. You have other countries, Jordan, Egypt, um, all bringing him back into the fold of the Arab nations. Uh, and so this is a very significant development in that conflict. Why was that decision made and what were the circumstances? Yeah, no, it, in fact, I think what's happened is collectively these regional countries have come to the conclusion that Bashar al-Assad is entrenched in power. He's not going anywhere. And they have decided that isolation doesn't work. Uh, they're dealing with many challenges emanating from Syria, whether it's refugees, uh, illicit drugs. Uh, and so they've decided rather than, than continuing to isolate Assad, they need to bring him back into the fold as a way of dealing with these many, many challenges that are spilling over into their countries. There was a catastrophic earthquake in Syria and also in Turkey just a few months ago. Has that had an impact on this decision? Oh, absolutely. So the earthquake, I mean, th this trend toward normalization was, was already well, well established before the earthquake. But the earthquake really accelerated the trend. It, it provided, in a sense, political cover for these countries to go into Syria. You had a series of foreign ministers, for example, um, visiting Assad in Damascus. You had Assad himself taking trips to the region. Then, of course, you had this uh, uh, kind of significant development of, of his readmission and, and joining the meeting of the Arab League uh, in May. Tell me about some of the issues you're talking about that are spilling over, and I want to dig more deeply into the idea of um, the Captagon trade that's happening, it's emanating from Syria, and the, the, the refugee issues that are continuing to happen, especially from they're hosting by neighboring countries in Lebanon and Jordan, um, as well as others as well. What has been the confluence of that? Yeah, so in, in terms of the Captagon trade, this is uh, an amphetamine-like drug, uh, which started its manufacture began in Syria during the time when ISIS was there. You have the, now the Assad regime and, and uh, associated militias, um, taking over manufacture of this illicit drug, essentially turning Syria into a narco state. And Captagon has been flowing through Jordan into Saudi Arabia. The Saudis in particular, very concerned about this drug coming into their society. 
And so this is one of the reasons they've been pushing on Assad to, to basically stave this growing drug trade. You also, as you rightly note, have the issue of Syrian refugees, and that's a longstanding challenge. Lebanon, which is going through its own fairly significant economic crisis, hosts the largest number of refugees per capita in the world. Uh, you also have Turkey, which hosts the largest number of Syrian refugees, period. And they, too, are going through an economic decline. So you have growing fatigue in these countries with hosting Syrian refugees and increasing pressure to push them back into Syria. How is that fatigue manifesting? Is there an increasing anti-refugee sentiment that's happening? Is there um, has it been capitalizing politics there? What's going on? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're seeing, for example, in Turkey, uh, where Erdogan recently was reelected, one of the key issues that he campaigned on was, you know, basically the need for Syrian refugees to go to go back to Syria. Uh, you see growing incidents of hostility and even violence, both in, in Turkey, uh, in Turkey and in Lebanon, aimed at Syrian refugees. In, in Lebanon, we've seen the Lebanese army forcibly beginning to deport some Syrian refugees. So this is an issue, uh, Laura, that's a growing challenge in the region, particularly since the refugees themselves are understandably quite reluctant to return to Syria as long as Assad is still in power. In fact, uh, the UN Refugee Agency recently conducted a, a survey of Syrian refugees, and only 1% said that they intended to return within the next 12 months. What impact is this having on the United States? I mean, the United States has been opposed, I mean, adamantly so, to normalization. And I'm wondering, now that they have been, the decision to bring Syria back into the fold, has it changed the United States' position at all? You know, so you're seeing... um, adamant, as you know, opposition to normalization. There was even a bill recently introduced in Congress, a bipartisan bill uh, that is uh, attempting to stave off any particular normalization of Assad uh, to double down on existing sanctions and punish countries that choose to normalize with the Assad regime. At the same time, you have the Biden administration, which has adopted, I guess you'd call it a more pragmatic position, in which they are, of course, not at all interested. The U.S. will not normalize with Assad. But the Biden administration has said, uh, for those that choose to normalize, make sure you get something for it. Uh, you know, seek concessions from the Assad regime. I think there's a lot of, a lot of skepticism about what, it, what Assad could, would possibly uh, uh, concede. And I think ultimately what we see is just a fundamental tension between the need for accountability uh, and fatigue in the region with this longstanding conflict and its spillover effects. What are the, I think you've referenced, uh, what, what are the Caesar sanctions? So the Caesar sanctions are sanctions that were pl- passed by Congress in 2019 that um, uh, sanction any uh, investment in a number of sectors of the Syrian economy, And they also include secondary sanctions, which means the U.S. will sanction a third country that should choose to invest in various uh, elements of the Syrian economy. So it's not just sanctioning directly, but actually secondary sanctions that sanction a third country that might choose to invest in reconstruction or, or other elements of the Syrian economy. 
are there other, I mean, we're talking about Syria, but what is the next country to watch regarding normalization? I'm, I'm curious to see if there are other things on the horizon. Oh, absolutely. I think we need to watch Turkey very closely. Uh, we've already seen very significant probes toward normalizing ties between Turkey and Syria. There have been uh, meetings at the foreign minister level, at the defense minister level. And as I said, this is something that uh, Erdogan campaigned on. I also think we actually have to watch some of the southern European countries, uh, Italy, for example, uh, which seems to have indicated an interest in, in reopening ties with Assad. The Italians, for example, sent aid to the Assad regime right after uh, the earthquake. So I am afraid this normalization trend um, is not slowing and may indeed be accelerating. Has Russia played a role in any of this? Uh, I think the Russians are thrilled by it. Uh, this is precisely what they had been seeking uh, to see, in particular that the, that the region would normalize with Assad, would provide, uh, they're looking for reconstruction funds. But of course, they're, they're quite taken with, uh, with the war in Ukraine, but I think uh, they are certainly benefiting from this indirectly. There's so much more to unpack. I'm so glad that you've given us so much illumination on this issue. Thank you for being a part of the program this morning. Good morning to you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much, Laura. Appreciate it. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.